It's the Daily Talk Show, episode 781. Weekend banter. And we got Rona and Heine on the show. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. So, are you a a lawyer? What's the difference between a lawyer and a solicitor? I don't know, um, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) In all seriousness. um, I don't think there is a difference in Australia. Really? I mean, they're actually... Yeah, no, no, like... Yeah, I'm a lawyer, I guess. So, do you go to, um, um, like, do, will you go to court? No. So, um, mm-hmm. I won't, but I can. Okay, so, so, it, so it, can it, I. <laughs> I just, uh, <laughs> I've committed a crime yeah. at that stage. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's funny. In, in Australia, it's, um, you know, there's there's actually is differences between people who go to, go to court and don't. So, you know, you might have mm-hmm. heard of counsel. Um, yeah. Barristers, so barristers are the people who speak at courts, and lawyers are the people who who um, you know do the contracts and the research behind. But in America, mm-hmm. where most people think of lawyers, they can mm. do it all. Lawyers go to court. You know, you've probably seen suits where they um, you know get a case and they do everything from the research, the, the the contracts to then like you know suing people and all sorts of fun stuff. I feel like you your business Luna and the team that you have there are. Uh, are like the modern day fun version of lawyers. When you think of lawyers, I think of, you know, uh, suits as in wearing them, but also the TV show. Um, yeah. That's your background. You've come from being a suit. Is that is that a rude term to call somebody like when you were a suit? Did you get offended no, by a, that? Not at all. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I wasn't offended. I thought it was pretty cool at the start. And then I started to realize it was really annoying to wear a suit every day. Um <laughs> But I, yeah, I started out as a corporate lawyer at one of the big law firms, suit tie every day. It was really cool when it got to a Friday and we had casual Fridays where we could take the tie off and just, you know, have one button open. And That's casual that's, Friday? <laughs> that's, that's pretty much how I, um, I started out. So, I was there for about four years before, yeah, starting Luna, which is sort of reinventing how legal and other services like accounting, finances and investment is um, done for entrepreneurs and startups. With all the COVID-19 stuff that's happening, are there certain legal things that have come out of that for startups? Yeah, huge. Well, um, I mean, first of all, all of a sudden with COVID-19, you could just basically uh, stand people down um, mm-hmm. or, or furloughed. I, I hadn't even heard of these terms before COVID where all of a sudden you can uh, just let your staff go and not pay them for a period of time. So that was kind of a huge thing and then not you know, a lot of the stuff with landlords and rents and not being able to turn up to work. It's, yeah, it's been a, a huge thing in the legal space. Um, the old school sort of uh, law game, I guess, is, I mean, from the outside, very complicated. It's like you've got to pay somebody to think about it for you. Has there been a shift in law for, I guess, the gronks out there, just so it's all much easier for the, the, the common man to understand, the common woman? Um, I wish I could say yes, uh, but it's actually, it's such an institutional problem, I believe, that it doesn't just change overnight with intent. So now you see a lot more um, law firms and lawyers say, you know, instead of using billable hours, charging, you know, a set fee. But, um, you know, the whole nature of the law is it's so institutionalized to think about yourself before the clients and your self-worth and it's like a really deep-seated issue so i think it's i actually think not too much most big law firms charge huge amounts 
most clients don't understand why they need those huge amounts. Most clients don't probably see the value. Um, and a lot of people just avoid it because it's intimidating, unknown, foreign, meant to be super serious and super expensive. And I think it'll take a while to change, but there's more and more people, I guess, places like us that are starting to sort of reinvent what um, the whole service looks like. I mean, startups are quite scrappy. You think about uh, design services like Envato, where it's like rather than going to a designer, you can get a template, yeah. you can just do it all yourself. With legal mm. stuff, how much of that can you do? Can I just, obviously there's these open source legal docs. Can I even, if I take, if I get a contract from someone, from am I able to copy and paste? Are they, uh, uh, contracts under their own copyright? How does this, how does this work? Yeah, well, it's pretty hard. So uh, the truth is um, there is plenty of like open source stuff and you can sort of take a contract, but it's pretty hard to uh, apply it to your circumstances. So just kind of, it's not like copying, pasting a logo. You, I've got the logo here, now put mm -hmm. it here and it, it just, look, it just works. Um, it needs to be changed uh, to suit circumstances. Uh, and that's where the confusion lies because some lawyers will come in and, say you need to spend thousands of dollars to change it to your circumstances but i believe it's just like small little changes that um you know with information and technology people can do that themselves but they just need people mm -hmm. to provide them the information and technology to do it so is it like i can imagine um say like i've been doing video production for 15 years and i remember the early days people would just grab someone else's terms off their website and do a copy and paste job and you can do a you know a google search where you quote this stuff and you can see the same mm -hmm. terminology yeah. used time and time again oh, didn't is, you, you you took a contract you'd had made and copied and pasted yeah the video I've seen, and you yeah and you saw yeah because i saw like um you know i paid a legal firm to put something together and then put in there around New South Wales law. And I'm like, hey, guys, I'm um, in Victoria or whatever. Can we have this updated? But, um, yeah, you get the sense. Like the, the struggle that I've had in the past is it's like, am I paying huge amounts of cash for a template? And um, what's stopping me from going and copying and pasting, especially with um, privacy policies and what's happened in, in, in Europe with, you know, the expectation of, you know, mentioning cookies and stuff like that copy and pasting is there is there a place for it at all like if you're really scrappy and getting started is there a way of communicating this stuff where if you don't have 700 800 a thousand bucks to spend totally um well i'll give you a funny story because you when you do copy and paste so i'm about to say yeah sure go for <laughs> yeah, it yeah. um but a, a tip don't do so we had a client who came to us um once and he said oh there's a competitor of mine and i'm pretty sure they're just like every time i get a new product it's a furniture company every time i i get a new product he copies me every time i change my website they they copy me they're they're like cop copying our search terms and actually i looked on these terms and conditions and he's copied my terms and conditions. I'm like, oh, how do you know? He says, well, they've still he's still got my company name in there. <laughs> so the person who stole the terms and conditions hadn't even changed the, the company name. So if you are going to copy, yeah. um, at least change your the personal details so they they suit you. But um, in truth, I, I think when you're a scrappy early stage startup, you should better off spend your money on. You know, testing your product, um, getting to know your customers really well, spending time, um, yeah, developing stuff that will move the business and 
you know, you can run experiments and learn mm. and grow. And then later on, there's a point in time to, um, to sort of get lawyers and accountants and, um, you know, sort of like professionalize your stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't say, I think there's ways that you don't need to copy other people. Um, there's plenty of open source stuff out there. Like you said, um, we have stuff like that as well. Take that and just apply it as best you can, mm-hmm. um, is is probably my tip rather than copying mm-hmm. um but yeah i i wouldn't recommend if you're a day one startup going to a lawyer yeah. to get mm-hmm. your terms and conditions done before you have a customer like probably <laughs> before you have 10 customers maybe yeah. even you know you're earning a couple of thousand dollars before mm-hmm. yeah. sort of doing that and really the main the main reason there is you you know startups they they come on day one and then three months later they're in a new line of business and then six months later they've pivoted to something completely different so mm. often it's it's quite simply a waste of time and money at the start to do anything when you think of like, when I think of lawyers it immediately brings my mind to getting sued or suing somebody and it's probably because over in the states you drive down Hollywood Boulevard and you're seeing signs that are mm-hmm. you know you need a lawyer you've been in an accident you want to sue somebody I mean in Australia what's the I mean people have lawyers to then do you like you know like, um, what I guess what I'm trying to say is the US is very litigious it's is a it, big is, difference yeah. it's like everyone has a lawyer in the states what's going on in Australia is there a lot of people that just have lawyers for the sake of having a lawyer to sue people mm, nah completely different so I mean in 10 years I've really never been involved with anyone suing someone all the way to court um, and I'm talking like working with thousands of people. It, 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 it's very rare that things make it to court. It's very different to um, very different to America. I mean, it does happen probably in the big corporate context a lot more. But in terms of small businesses, startups, smaller tech companies, you know, entrepreneurs, uh, it's it's yeah, it's it's not the same thing as in the US. Like in the US, you set up a business, and you. Yeah, it's it's like you need to get corporate counsel as soon as you set up a business. Uh, here, it's it's not so much like that. What does that mean, getting corporate counsel? Like, what what's the yeah, version I, I, in Australia? I, it, I don't know. Like, mm. I, don't, I don't really know to tell you the truth. So, um, I think in America, it's a bit to do with yeah. I need to get count. Like, even setting up a company is a bit more complicated in the US. Um, just the threat of litigation or doing something wrong is so present that. You, 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 there's value in actually having a relationship and getting a lawyer who can be on call for you. Whereas in Australia, I don't think it's so much about getting a lawyer who's on call for you, more so a lawyer to help you out navigate issues, hurdles, take investment, build contracts, um, mm. deal with issues, but not so much someone I can quickly call because I'm getting sued for X, Y, and Z. Whereas in the US, that's like a real threat um, so you really want to have that relationship. Well, you see what it so does it's, to the culture. Bit different. See what it does to yeah. the culture. Like, I don't have a fear of being sued in Australia. And yeah. like, over in the states, everyone like I reckon you're safer walking across a road there because everyone's scared that you're going to get sued for well, all you've got. Well, I think it's got. systemic. So it's like if yeah. you don't have health insurance, then all of a sudden you could mm. get a big bill, a medical bill, and so all of these things sort of compound. And it's like, okay, well, you know, sometimes you have to sue to to, to make make a living or make it work. Do you think there's any benefit to that system over there versus Australia? I don't know that there's much benefit about anything that's going on in the US. So. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a fair point. Um, fair point. <laughs> um, I, no, I don't know. I just reckon it's crazy. Like mm. you go, 
here's here you go to a japanese restaurant in the u.s here's the the sushi menu and then there's like a you know half the menus telling you about the disclaimer of you know, eating raw fish and then, you know, yeah. watch TV for really? a second. Well, you go into then, Disneyland, yeah. it's like, you know, they've got um, you know, materials that cause cancer. It's, it's oh, not really the happiest place on earth. It's a real hyperbolic it? joint, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. No, no, I definitely, I seriously, I think it's great that we don't have that type of culture here, mm-hmm. for sure. There's there's other stuff in the US that I think is a bit better in terms of legals mm-hmm. and corporate cult- culture, but definitely not that side. Uh, intellectual property, how much of... Uh, protections around IP are built into the system versus what do we actually need to actively do to protect our ideas? Good question. So, this is like a big one that people confuse. Um, So, you guys have heard of a trademark? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in Australia, it's there's two things that people people think that I've got a trademark, I'm protected, um, but actually... Australia, the law is it's the first to use, not the first to trademark. So mm-hmm. the the person who is using the logo, the brand first, is entitled to that logo or brand. Uh, it's trademark is just say you telling the world I own the, this brand or it's mm-hmm. mine. But just because you know some if someone's been using the brand for twenty years, then all of a sudden someone else trademark it trademarks it that doesn't give that second person the right um so that's like a really big one in intellectual property and the other huge one that um not a lot of people um know about is the law about creating in australia so you know in our space in tech and startups you know there's a lot of dev work a lot of engineering that gets done um and so the law in australia is the creator owns so often you might outsource that so say you're a business and you've got a freelance developer that writes code for your company or develops some unique IP, um, that developer actually owns the IP, not the company that it was produced for unless you sort of have a special legal document in the middle making sure that the company owns it. And that's a huge one. I've seen all sorts of So Georgie Boy's over. Hump Day Replay. Yeah. We've got uh, our, our editor who's got his own show that's about the Daily Talk Show. Just because, he's, because he's working on it, he actually would uh, we need to get a, a contract unless he's an employee if he's an employee it's all yours uh, you own everything eject no this but, is good no this is good okay. but if he's a contractor you, you know if he's a con- contractor georgie it's time to uh, yeah. ask for a bigger check or something yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, lawyer up bitch <laughs> Um, what about release release forms? So uh, we've been very loose when it comes to release forms. Does implied agreement if someone comes onto a microphone comes like what's the deal? Um, I think yeah. There's this is like a super gray area. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there is there is like an implied contract, and just do, not everything has to be in writing. If there is this implied contract, but um, I guess whether it's implied or written in terms of a release, that doesn't get the person um, out of, so you guys doing Mm -hmm. something, you know, really bad, even if it's written or implied. So I think like you you see people with waivers saying, hey, you know, you're, I don't know, we'll we'll write a waiver and you release us from doing anything in the world. But then, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they set up a negligent or dangerous situation where someone's legs about to get cut off and, you know, uh, no way will, will work there. 
But I guess uh, so for people that have podcasts, uh, I know your brother's mm. had one, Ronan. Um, if if you get someone onto your show and you ha- don't get them to mm. sign something, and then they say, "Can you take it down? I didn't really like what I said there." Do you legally have to? I know what the right thing to do is, <laughs> the good yeah. bloke thing to do is, but legally, it's not the sort of business we want to run. <laughs> <laughs> What's our obligations? I would think as long as that person and it's pretty clear that they know they're coming onto a podcast, that it's live, that it's going to be, you know, put out into the world straight away just by mm-hmm. email correspondence or whatever it is, well, then, you know, I can't. So, if I'm the guest, for example, I know this is going to be live. I know you're going to just put it out there. It's very obvious to me that it's um, that it's for the world. So, mm-hmm. I can't really say that I didn't know that and I didn't buy into this, you know, implied agreement that we had. Yeah. So, I reckon you guys are all right. I think like one area that I guess it gets a little bit murkier is when we do promos or things like I that. I thought you were going to say hidden camera. <laughs> <laughs> that, but definitely yeah. the promo stuff I think is an interesting totally. one where it's like, yeah. um, like I think that we're, we're rolling the dice being like we're... Um, we're thinking about what the optics of these types of things, but there could be a time where it's like we have someone on our show that maybe goes to a, has their own podcast or something's competing and then all of a sudden mm. it becomes a little bit hairier about including them on some sort of promo that we're doing. Yeah, promo is a big one. So, you probably mm-hmm. should do something there um, yeah. because I, yeah, it, it's all about what would the person, the guest reasonably expect that you're using this material for. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I would think it's being published right now yeah, for yeah. the world to see, but probably mm-hmm. not to be, you know, promote. But now that you yeah, told yeah. me, it's- that's to- totally, <laughs> yeah, totally yeah, cool. Yeah. So, maybe it's this. just a line because I think that like one of the things <laughs> yeah. uh, I used to work at Invato and they had a very sort of innovative uh, legal team. And one of the things that they spoke about was the importance of clear language that people can read and sort of um, the the legal counsel there's now, she works at uh, Zero, heading up their legal team there. Uh, and it's very much around, if people don't understand the terms, if it's not in a way that they understand that it's a little bit redundant, what is the, what's the deal when it comes to uh, the obligation for us to make sure that the people who are signing the agreement actually understands each element of, of the agreement? Well, I think it's just like a common sense mm-hmm. approach. If you if you use language, it's it's all about what a reasonable person, the re- person receiving it, should understand, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, if I if there's like really specific terminology to podcasting, I don't know what it could be, but um, whatever it is, then you know I might not understand that. So it's got to be in, in my eyes. So as long as someone in my position should reasonably understand it, then then you should be fine. So. Um, but it's, you know, there's another school of thought that maybe you should get it in writing, send it in an email, mm-hmm. and then you do that in the email. And then just before you start the podcast, you do a, a verbal consent, which is recorded forever, you know? Yeah. I feel like um, even uh, sort of people like us get real pumped when we know the law when someone doesn't and we can leverage that and be like, no, that's not the law. It's like uh, ombudsman, you know? <laughs> no, I know the yeah, yeah. Consumer, consumer law here. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're actually a lawyer. Is there a time that it hasn't been within work hours where you've pulled on a, something you learnt in uni <laughs> and you've, uh, you've pulled out, a, you know, section 32? Doesn't go right. 
I, I'm going to tell you something crazy. Um, <laughs> it's going to blow your mind. In um, probably 10 years since finishing law school, I would have opened up like actual legislation a handful of times. <laughs> I almost can't. I know that sounds nuts, right? That I'm, I'm a lawyer, but a lot of what lawyering is actually isn't um, calling upon the law like that. It's it's mainly contracts and negotiations and tactical stuff. Um, that's being a commercial lawyer, which is very different to people who are going to court or um, maybe employment law. But yeah, so that's not a really good answer for you. Because, so I'm basically saying, <laughs> no, I haven't, because I basically have hardly needed to pick up legislation in 10 years. So in regards to that, then putting together a contract, <laughs> using using that example... Are you qualified? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess the... the, um, the creation. <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> We're working it out now. Um, the, yeah. now on the, um, the stuff around who owns what and creators and freelancers and things like that, is it then against the law or what what is it called when we put something in a contract say we have a freelancer working for us and we put in the contract hey uh, we own the copyright when it goes against that sort of broader law how would you write something in like is there any time where um that could yeah. be an agreement yeah so that's totally this is like a really good example of when you want to use a lawyer you want to mm -hmm. if you're doing something really important because someone is developing ip that's going to be fundamental to your business you know like it's going to be the core base of our code base or something like that or it's mm -hmm. a you know something really important um for the future of the company then you want to get some expert help to make sure you use the right words that make sure you own that ip um mm -hmm. but yeah basically you just put it in a contract uh there's some wording that makes it very clear uh that you the company owns the uh intellectual property of the freelancer mm -hmm. or the contractor and um and then off you go and it's done do we have as a long constitution as, as long as the in australia set up in the right like way a, and, and you know how you hear in the US, oh, this is unconstitutional or, or whatever. Like, do we have a constitution? I think I heard yeah. it on the castle. Yeah. It was mentioned. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. Uh -huh. I mean, I'm not sure exactly what's in it. I mean, there's a whole <laughs> Haven't bunch of opened stuff it. that Haven't opened it. Should, <laughs> be, <laughs> should, should be in it. That's not. Um, that's a bit political, but... Um, so, what's an is, example of yeah, something yeah, that we couldn't do in a contract just because it would be considered unconstitutional? It's, no, so our constitution isn't so much like that. So our mm -hmm. constitution's a bit more to do with um, less on contracts and, uh, you know, how like in the US it's very much civil liberties and, mm -hmm. you know, um, our constitution is, uh, yeah, it, it's sort of, it's just not used like that. It's sort mm -hmm. of setting the framework for Australia and how governments make decisions and stuff mm -hmm. like that. What's, what blows my mind is like business models like Facebook come in and they're, they're brand new. And I, I guess you'd be seeing startups that are innovative business models that, um, need, that the are you adapting the law to suit the business model or is there new laws being created each day to, you know, keep up with the progression in different types of marketplaces and businesses that are coming up, new startups, I guess? Yeah. Well, this is the really cool thing about working in startups, like for our team, it's pretty challenging because startups are you know they're frontier businesses basically they're heading into territory where no one else has been before so you know laws 
uh, created and the law is created based upon a concept called precedence, what's happened in the past and startups mm -hmm. are dealing in the future, not the past, right? So, um, you know, we see all sorts of companies who are, you know, if you think about autonomous driving or autonomous vehicles and um, all sorts of uses of AI and robotics and stuff, you know, robotics replacing um, humans in the workforce, the, the, this, these are new concepts. So how do you, how do you have laws for robots? Do you know what I mean? It's, mm. it's, it's totally different. So we actually play a lot in the area of there's no law yet created. Um, what, <laughs> how, how do we protect some of the founders we work with? What's the best approach? Um, what do you do? It's, it's kind of like, you know, we're at the cutting edge of that. So yeah, basically, no, there's not a lot of, for, for the really unique IP being developed, there's, there's not a lot to look at and you kind of work it out as you go. Um, you know, crypto blockchain, that's the same, mm. same thing. Everyone's trying to work it out right now. Uh, yeah. So it's pretty cool to be in that space. How liable are companies to what their employees or the people within their business contractors do? Uh, they are pretty liable, not so much when the, when the employee goes rogue, but they're, mm -hmm. what companies are responsible are creating an environment where the employee should know what to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Sure. So, you know, that's like setting up an environment where employees know that they, um, what's right, what's wrong, what's appropriate behavior, what's inappropriate behavior. That's sort of like the response of the company. And if they set up an environment where people have been trained and educated and you know they've got values and all sorts of stuff that um makes it obvious to an employee as to what's right what's wrong what's acceptable behavior what's not and then if an employee goes rogue and mm -hmm. you know um goes and attacks a customer or something because they didn't <laughs> pay um that's that's that would be on the employee not the customer what about the, uh, the content creation so we're in a, a business where we're creating content all the time and we're bringing yeah. personal things into the show and it's like having worked in radio, it can be a bit of a HR nightmare externally when you look at it from an optics perspective of like, is this bullying? Is this, you know, is, is everyone okay here? Have you, um, have you seen any shifts in the way that companies can set up to allow for things like content creating and making a safe space? Well, I don't know. This is such like, this is what I mean before about tech and startups. So podcasting mm -hmm. is also like an example, kind of frontier business, right? Um, and mm -hmm. the whole idea of publishing, right? So um, in the past, it's been newspapers and television organized, you know, news networks, and then you have social media now, and everyone's publishing something and who's responsible for that. And are you guys as the hosts of this pod podcast, if we're going live and I say something ridiculous is mm -hmm. that on you or is that me personally right yeah um it's it's totally gray because mm -hmm. you guys aren't signed up as a even though you can create content and your content creators you're not um you're not technically news organizations that have you know these media laws and publishing laws so it's like, again super mm -hmm. super gray so what what can mm. you do yeah i think i think you know just making sure that there's a, a safe a word. Brief. We've been talking about a safe word where it's like, yeah, if you're, uh, legally cut it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, 
<laughs> a safe word's good, like like maybe a button you can push that you can <laughs> say something stupid and then yeah. just like I blow How about up Luna? something. How about Luna as a safe word? Because we know lawyers could get involved if we go any further. Yeah, that that would be amazing. Yeah, you can have Luna. We can even get um, you know a direct we can fine get line from our team. Yeah, to, definitely. Yeah, do it on the spot. Uh, yeah, perfect. Contra deal. <laughs> um, you know, you know how you hear of uh, mechanics that have horrible cars. You know, faulty yeah. and. Uh, web developers that don't even have a good website. I mean, for you guys as lawyers, uh, how's your back end? (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could show you. I should probably show you what the room looks like, and this might summarize our back end. I don't know if that's a good thing. You're currently on the top of a ladder. (laughs) Yeah, right now it looks looks super polished, right? It looks like, yeah, we're probably in this really nice The logo, it looks legit. Yeah, there's like garbage everywhere. There's garbage <laughs> everywhere. And so um, um, I, I want to get yeah, to the bottom yeah, of that. Yeah. But is in like you know you guys yeah. trademarking your logo? Like you're doing everything that it, someone who would want to pay lawyers to do would do, or is yeah? Or am I so wrong? So I'll I'll tell you this: the bit of it is, um, I think it's like anything. It's way easier to give advice than take it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? It's way easier to... T- <laughs> no, it's way easier to guide other people and say, oh, you should be doing this, you should be mm-hmm. doing that, you should be focusing here, you should be focusing there. It's And then you... To do it yourself, you know, it's it's harder. And um, so we... We've done everything, but we haven't done it at a, you know, we haven't gone over the top. Yeah, we've got trademarks, we've got good processes, we got good HR stuff, but we are exactly like the startups. We kind of do it as we go, as we need, as we need to, based upon, you know, the money we have available as a business. And um, we, we think of ourselves as a startup as well. So, um, you know, we don't just go and have the best contracts in the world, the best trademarking possible in every country going around we we do what we need to um but you'd be surprised with uh yeah how how slow we are and how much better we are of helping other people to get their mm-hmm. stuff done than doing doing the stuff ourselves on the trademark thing how many of the startups you speak to that are getting trademarks are doing it for external re- external reasons that are outside of actually protecting so an example is I've seen businesses have success in getting their Instagram verified or things like that using documentation saying that they're, uh, you know, they've got the trademark. Like, why are people getting trademarks? So, like, a big reason is if you're a product business and you want to sell in the US, so, (laughs) you know, you've got a physical product and you want to put on um, Amazon, uh, you actually, you need to have a trademark to sell in the US on Amazon. So that's probably the biggest reason right now is anyone mm. who wants to sell on the Amazon marketplace, you have to go and get a trademark. How long um, is that taking? So, so say we have an idea and we come up with, you know, the um, we, uh, you know, the comfy hoodie, we'll call it the comfy cut cuddle and it's a hoodie. <laughs> yeah. And so if we want to register comfy cuddle, what what's the process? Like, do we have to wait for people to... Um, what's it called? You know, like the the challenge term, it, your challenging, you know, time and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, so you basically find out pretty. I like it. The comf- What do you call it? The, the comfy, comfy cuddle, cuddle hoodie. Yeah, yeah. The comfy cuddle. Is mm-hmm. it a physical cuddle or it's a hoodie? It's a hoodie, but it feels like it's so warm. It's a cuddle. Okay, great. <laughs> so, 
Maybe the print on the back of it is two yeah. arms around you. Now like you you're okay? Cuddled. And you saying, "Oh, that's great." Are yeah. you okay for us to use that in the promo for comfy cuddle? <laughs> <laughs> totally. If you're okay, looking great. for a face, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to. You know, we can start wearing it as well. As so lawyers. is that a contract? We you can saying turn, that? Because there's a slight yeah, bit of sarcasm. So, Could I use that? <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so I'll tell you the process, right? Yeah, I'll tell sure. you the process. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. so, so first, first the process. So you, so you'll find out. You sort of lodge an application, and you find out basically within a month whether you're likely to be successful or not. But then you, it sort of sits there. I don't know the exact period of time, mm-hmm. but basically for six months pending where other people can object and say no i actually own the comfy cuddle i've been Mm -hmm. doing comfy cuddles for um you know 10 years and comfy cuddles are mine Mm -hmm. um and you can't use comfy cuddles and then then the then you don't get your trademark registered but usually what would happen is you would put your your trademark up there for six months no one objects and six months later you own comfy cuddles and you so Amazon, could we put everything. in the meantime, is there sort of like a in-between that you could give documentation to say, hey, it's in this pending stage? Oh, it's a good question. I'm going to have to call back up to, uh, yeah. to, to I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's a, like I The should trademark know, right? stuff but- I find interesting because like we tried to, we did the first process where we went to IP Australia and took up their mm. 200 buck thing where they'll tell you the likelihood of getting certain, yeah. like getting it trademarked with certain classes and they're like, the daily talk shows to um you know generic or whatever it is but then uh, yeah but someone who um uh, one of the founders of thank you uh justine she said that they they went down a different route where it's actually trademarking the image and by trademarking the image or the logo you can get around that what's what do you know the details or what the deal is with that yeah, so, um, yeah, there's all sorts of different ways you can trademark. So, you can trademark the words, which is the best thing to do. So, if you mm-hmm. could trademark the words comfy cuddle, mm-hmm. then you could own the words comfy cuddle in um, any format. Logo, written, you know, you just own comfy cuddle. But mm-hmm. because people use the word comfy cuddle and it's like a, a generic term, mm-hmm. it's pretty unfair for you to exclusively own that term. So... Um, you can then get a logo that says Comfy Cuddle. And as long as the logo is unique enough, um, mm. you know, there's a bit of design there as well. Then you can usually get the logo trademarked so no one else can use Comfy Cuddle, the, mm-hmm. the logo. Or so then some free legal similar. advice for us. The, um, the Daily Talk Show, we put the .com in there so that it's very obvious. Is that going to be problematic yeah. if we were to get Ooh. it trademarked because we'll have to include .com? Oh, you don't know. It's very specific. Well, you might get... Da- well, you could do different things, right? You could go get the daily talk show, the logo mm-hmm. trademarked, and then maybe the daily talk show.com or the daily talk show in a tagline mm-hmm. um, trademarked as well. So, as we could cut off so- maybe... So, we could do a version of the logo without the .com and then do one with the... Like, I, I think that like some people no, use so- trademarks so that they, they can't be talked about or like, for instance as a way of sort of suppressing, uh, like say if it, like we want to be really protective of our brand and um, yeah. potentially pushing against, say in the US, someone does a, a video about, say like a takedown video on Luna and saying all this shit about you, you might not be able to do yeah. it from a free speech point of view, but if they use your trademark, you could take them down on that. Is that something that, that happens? 
Um, no, not not if they're highlighting you and saying mm-hmm. this is Luna, but yeah. it's it's more for for anti competition. So yeah. um, stopping competitors using the daily talk show. So the daily talk show is probably a hard one because it's pretty it's, much pretty common with generic, talk shows. Yeah, 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 yeah pretty mm-hmm. generic. So um, it's more for stopping competitors saying, "Hey, we are the daily talk show. This mm-hmm. is the daily talk show," and or another podcast coming up is the daily talk show, as opposed to news outlets um, talking about you guys, the daily talk show. <laughs> there was uh, in Melbourne, uh, Nick Giannopoulos, uh, trademarked Wog Boy. Mm-hmm. And, which seems yeah. quite common. I mean, that was getting thrown around at school when I was there. But, I mean, it's it's what he's trying to do is prevent any comedian or any other actors creating a character or some stage show using the term wog boy. I mean, how's he got that through? Yeah, I don't know. So, sometimes, some honestly, I don't know. Um, sometimes, I guess when, you know, like, eventually a word becomes so synonymous with a mm. person or an individual um that it then becomes you know trademarkable if that makes sense so so you know an example might be zoom right zoom may not have been able to trademark itself um because zoom's just a generic word early on but now that everyone knows zoom as the video platform even though it's a generic word it, it might be that it could be trademarked now so but again when you trademark it's only in specific like classes so yeah yeah, so zoom zoom might be able to trademark in um it but there's no way zoom the company could own the trademark in the camera um category yeah what's your favorite type of um, legal stuff to do for startups uh i like uh i like deals i think Mm -hmm. um probably investment and deals and you know, let's do one. Closing deals. Yeah. So, what's the deal? Yeah. Like, can, can you explain? Like, um, <laughs> all right. Let, let's let's so, do it. All right. So, so, say if um, so you know, TJ has <laughs> been throwing around. He's like, "Fuck it." You hear that company? Four hundred and fifty million bucks. They they got selling all this sort of stuff. Um, that was the valuation. Yes. That's well, right. guys, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan just got bought by Spotify for uh, I think it was a hundred mil. So, mm-hmm. um, that's a good starting point for you. And so, what's the like? So they're buying. Obviously, <laughs> the um, they're getting an exclusive deal. They're getting. Uh, license. I remember specifically you talked about a license. They were buying a license to be able to put it on there. So I'm guessing there's some sort of rolling contract that's going on. But um, mm. if you're not planning, an area that I'm interested in, in is if you're not planning on an exit. So the daily talk show is connected to Tommy and I. It's something that we want to build yeah. over a long period of time. There's potential intellectual property in the processes that we have or being able to create new shows or things like that. Or once we launch Comfy Comfy Cuddle with yeah, exactly. uh, Ronan's, you know, beautiful <laughs> testimonial. testimonial. Yeah, and so we will, we will potentially have some IP there. But how do, how do we set up these types of things? TJ and I have a 50-50 stake in big media company, which does all mm. of the daily talk show stuff. What, what are the different reasons that people are doing deals, getting investment and how does it work? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a big, so when I, so, so it's like there's investment, which is someone giving you guys money and mm-hmm. um, taking some ownership in your company so that you can grow. And then, you know, when you said exit, that's someone's buying you out, you know, yeah. buying some of your shares or buying ownership or buying the whole company. Um, so yeah, basically the reasons people do it mainly in tech is that um, it takes so long 
to generate revenue. So you have to spend a lot of money before you see the upside. So usually in tech, there's a lot of investment and money that goes to building the company early on before it um, really generates revenue. So in order to build the technology, to build the team, to get the customers, customers, there needs to be investment um, to get it going. So that's one reason people take investment, which is just money coming into your company. Um, the other reason is to grow. So, you know, you might want to take um, big the big media. It's the big media company. Yeah, big That's media company. company. Yeah, yeah, no, no, big the, media company. And, yeah. and you know, you might go great. We're doing this this talk show. It's mm-hmm. kicking ass. It's great in Australia. Um, we've got the team. It's sustainable. But yeah, we want to go into the comfy cuddle business, mm-hmm. and it's a real growth opportunity because through our platform, we can sell it and all the the you know we can run free ads on our podcasts for it and but we need money to 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 invest in design and inventory and growth and sales so you know we need to get an investor to fund that mm-hmm. or you fund it yourself or you know in your from your profits but that's, yeah, I guess that's the, usually there uh-huh. I mean the business that isn't planning on exiting do that do, is are they ones that don't get investment or is there people investing in businesses that aren't planning on selling Um, different. So, you know, when you talk about VCs, which are like venture capitalists, they are professional investment funds that invest in businesses that are going to sell in that or list on a stock exchange, which is like a sale, you know, in a seven to 10 year period, because they have to get those returns and give it back to their investors who invested in their fund. So that's all about the exit. Um, but then private individuals might invest in your company and hope that your company does really well and that each year there's a profit. So, you know, revenue's higher than expenses and they get some of that profit. So if someone owns 25% of your company, they get 25% of the profit each year and that's how they get their investment back. And so entities and liability and, and things like that, when, when should you create new entities? So for instance, Comfy Cuddles, or cuddle, comfy cuddle. I guess it would we f- first of all would we trademark the plur- like would we get the cuddles and cuddle or would you have to do them separately? That's that's one question. And then the other one is at what point would that become its own proprietary limited and be have its own books? Yeah. So I mean, first of all, I think we could get away with just the cuddle. Mm-hmm. Um, we wouldn't need the cuddles. Yeah. Uh, so that would cover us. So if we can mm-hmm. get that, that'd be great. I'll check, and check our- that out. Our uh, motto is one's better than none. <laughs> yeah, that's, <true. laughs> that's good. I actually like that. Yes. Um, yeah. It's, uh, sorry, I got stumped on. And then the, the entity, cuddle. and so then on the, the entity, entity stuff. Yeah, the entity. Yeah, the entity stuff. So um, I think you set up an entity when you've got something to lose, mm-hmm. um, or you're you're seriously investing in something. So what I mean by that is, you know, if you've got a company now that's going well and you're starting a risky new product and that puts your company at risk or you, you as an individual at risk because you're a high net wealth individual or you've got family assets or something to protect you want to set up a structure straight away so that if something goes wrong it's the structure or the company not the old company mm-hmm. or you as individuals so that's sort of one side and the other side is 
you know, eventually you have to set up an entity or a business or a structure. Um, and you, that's usually, you know, in our world, in the startup world, it's when you're serious, when you're committed to something, you know, you might be testing something out for six months, trialing it with customers. And then once you go, okay, cool, like in the comfy cuddle situation, we're going to go, you know, order $20,000 worth of um uh, jumpers mm-hmm. and cuddles or whatever. I don't know if we're going into the cuddle, the actual <laughs> physical cuddle game yeah. as well. But once yeah, we decide we're going to start physically cut, cuddling people, <laughs> um, you know, and we're going to invest money in team and whatever, mm-hmm. then, you know, you definitely want to set up a business so or an it, entity there. In that way, um, how much do you need to chop something up? So, for instance, say if we were a um, say big. Let's use big media company as an example. We have mm. our services part. So we have uh, where clients come to us and we make videos for them. We then have another part of the business, which is original content like the daily talk show, like yeah. Hump Day Replay. Um, we've fallen into the whole fucking like we've all got like TJ and I both have trusts and all that sort of thing. It feels like a little bit useless at the moment because there's nothing to throw back <laughs> to um, mm. for the beneficiaries. Yeah. But what's the um, What's the process in regards to you have a bigger business and then going into categories and actually creating entities for those different categories? Yeah. So you start to see that when um, you think there's opportunities for the categories that are separate to each other, if that makes sense. So if <laughs> if there's opportunities for your agency style of business to get investment or maybe sell to another agency, but you want to keep the daily talk show, as yep. your own thing mm-hmm. um, or on the flip side you want to you know do the Joe Rogan and sell the daily talk show to um, Spotify but mm-hmm. keep your agency yeah. uh, then you, then you need to think about splitting it up so when you start to when you think there could be separate opportunities you um, you want to split it up or, I mean, or if there's or if there's new people you want to get involved you maybe you want to yeah. get a, a third co-host into the daily talk show and you want to give them some equity in this side of the business mm-hmm. but they don't provide much value to the agency side. So, you know, you, you, you might want to split it up then as well. Yeah. I mean, these things, I feel like uh, you, we could easily do it before we start. And well, yeah, um, you can get all the fucking trademarks in the world and, th- and come split to it. Split it seven yeah. ways. And uh-huh. it's, uh, you need the thing to work. Mm-hmm. And how many, how, how many people are coming to you guys as, I guess, brand new, wanting to chop it versus we've got ourselves down the line we're making money mm-hmm. and it's actually working now we need it and how it. hard is it to chop it later yeah yeah so not that hard um and that's this is what i was talking about at the start with sort of that old school approach to lawyering where you'd come in and the lawyer would say oh we're going to set up these you've got these unique projects you can, mm-hmm. we're going to set up five different entities for you it's going to cost you just ten thousand bucks to to set it up before you've even started and then six months later I don't know, half of it worked, half of it didn't work. Um, I think it's much better to do it like you guys have done it, just roll in, roll up your sleeves, get it get it going, work out what you have. And then, you know, it's a bit annoying. It's like a big admin task to, um, to undo it. It's not a huge expense, but um, I think the better entrepreneurs do it the way you do it. Go mm-hmm. test out, um, see where opportunities are. You know, it might take six months, might take a year, might take two years. And then once... But- once or you have a bit of an inkling, oh, these things are going to be completely different, then you want to act because, mm. yeah, the longer you leave it, it does become even more complicated and then maybe a bit expensive. And then, yeah, it's a, it's you want to do it at the right point. I, I met your brother on Instagram 
I think he, I think we were chatting and then sort of hung out a couple of times. I remember hearing about Luna before it was what it is now. How 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 different is Luna from when you started? Um, so Luna is yeah super different <laughs> when it started. So when it started, it wasn't called Luna. It was a name which I can't believe we used. We called it hashtag Corporate Advice. <laughs> so it wasn't even Luna. I don't Hashtags know how, were big back then. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was big. We thought it was like mixing the young with, with the corporate and I don't know what we were How thinking, did the decision yeah, come to- about to get rid of that name? You sued yourself. <laughs> oh, my God. It, it was like there was... I, I, I had I had our team threatened to leave unless we changed the name, so um, you know we had <laughs> to change it. But it was it was a it was a name by mistake. So it was super different at the start. It was me and a couple of um, law students who just volunteered, and I don't know why to this day they did, but they thought it was a good idea, um, and yeah, they they saw something, I guess. But yeah, so it was totally different. It was just kind of three of us me two law students running around town um trying to get work learn learn about entrepreneurship meet startups and mm-hmm. be useful and yeah so five years later we're, we're we're very different we got a bunch of sort of unique processes and tech which drives our business we've got a team of um six 17 people uh you know our own space here in Cremorne and uh yeah it's it's total and, and we're we're in completely different areas there's legal accounting we invest in startups we run we have an education business for startups so it's yeah it's really different it seems like um business models are changing and i'm even thinking about how we want to set up our business it feels like um the education system is a bit broken, especially around arts and things like that. Um, I know in the US, there's a there's more sort of education debt than there is credit card debt in their country. Yeah. And, and I think in Australia, there's a lot of people who are going into film school and coming out with um, a piece of paper and not much else. What yeah. we're trying to look at is how do we, um, how can we combine a few different systems together um, and what I'm finding is that the law doesn't necessarily always allow it. Like you talked about volunteers or having volunteers. Seems like there's a bunch of laws around free work and interns mm. and, and things like that. How, how can we look at these types of things in a pragmatic way, cover our ass, but also realize that, okay, this person could spend like 50 grand on a uni course or... They could come and get real training, work with us. How, do, how can we set that up? Because we, as a business, we can't justify getting a junior burger in necessarily who is straight out of school, who wants to do great stuff yeah. and give them a salary. You've got to pay them 35 grand anyway as a, like yeah. a starting line. Like no, it's crazy. So is there, is there any, and so there's that question. And then the follow on is like with new business models, doing things like profit share, where it's rather than investors, the people who work with us are in, invested based on they receive profit share and, and stuff like that. Can you talk about the business model stuff? Yeah, sure. So, um, so first on the the volunteers and intern mm-hmm. stuff, it's a really, it's actually, a, it's it's a quite a complicated one. I mean, ignoring what the law is, mm-hmm. um, it's also complicated in what's the right thing to do. So, um, you know, there's a school of thought that if you've got an opportunity for a student, for example, to get some work experience and learning, it's the best education they'll have, which is kind of was our approach. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's this other side to it. It's like, is that creating more mm-hmm. privilege in the people who can afford to, you know, work for free? 
Um, Mm. And so if you're setting up a system where you're allowing free volunteering and free interns, um, it's probably only... Uh, so you, you're, that's only really that opportunity is mainly going to be available to people who can afford to not work because for for payment. Yeah. Um, and so it's a bit of an ethical discussion in terms of mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it seems ridiculous that you've got an opportunity, um, yeah. which the student at uni would love because they're going to get more better education and mm-hmm. w- and work experience and job and another job and a job on the other side, right? Mm. I think that that's like yeah. the the thing yeah, is right. it's like this this idea of no free work. I get like I'm sensitive to this stuff because I started freelancing when I was 14. I mm. did a, a bunch of free work, but I saw the the benefits. And then I hear at conferences or things like that, people, especially even in minorities saying, hey, this is, you need to be strong in this, 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 and this. And in a lot of ways doing them a disservice because unfortunately, like to be able to show your value, to be able to get into the game Sometimes yeah. you need to take those steps. Yeah. So I think I think what you're saying is right. It's like, okay, there's a job prospect on the other side because because mm-hmm. often you would know a, a small um, business of sorts that you um, and a startup that you you also don't know what this is going to look like, and mm-hmm. so you kind of need to test it out, and then they can they can turn it into their own job and great. Um, yeah. So. I think job prospects on the other side is critical. And I think the other thing is flexibility. So not doing the thing where it's like, cool, there's an internship where you have to be available on these hours at these times and, you know, being flexible with the intern as to Mm -hmm. their experience so that they don't feel forced to not earn a living elsewhere. You know, you know, just being a bit more flexible in terms of what hours look like and um, when, when work looks like and, and what does that look like? Well, like co-creating a role, I think is that yeah, what it is, so. right? I think, yeah, I think so, right? So mm-hmm. instead of, yeah, doing the doing the corporate thing where you need to, we, we've got an internship where you have to turn up two days a week between nine to five on the two days you have off at uni, mm-hmm. co-creating it so it actually works for the uni student, if you like, to, you know, still have their job, job at Coles or Woolworths or um, mm-hmm. freelancing or whatever they're doing mixed in with this experience, which is, you know, going to increase their job prospects. Sorry, TJ, I feel like I'm on a roll. I've just got a few that's, more questions. No, that's good. Um, around the, um, <laughs> around the, le- the legal stuff, how much of it is um, within the two parties? So, for instance, say we work out this great deal, we feel like it's co-creating. Yeah. From a legal perspective... If we're all cool with it and we say, so Mr. 97 started off, you know, we paid him 50 bucks an, an episode or whatever. For, actually, he started free, then doing, you know, 50 bucks an app as a contractor. But we sort of yeah. said, hey, it's not so much an employment, like this is an employment, you can do other stuff. Then we moved into a sort of a more employee uh, relationship, paying super, things like that. How much of these issues from a legal perspective are between the two parties versus actually creating issues long term yeah well i mean you guys like you guys don't need lawyers because you just Mm -hmm. nailed it right there you um yeah exactly what you said you just have to make sure that if you're if you bring someone on board as a freelancer or a contractor at the start Mm -hmm. there is that's not employment it's not like minimum wage and super and all that stuff that's in the employee bucket Mm -hmm. um so, but you have to treat them like a contractor. They have to be free to negotiate, free to leave, free to do other jobs. Um, 
you know, uh, it has to be a, a true contractor relationship. And then once they morph into an employee, then there's minimum wage and stuff like that. I, I think there's also a regime of sorts for how to do internships, mm-hmm. like official internships as well. Yeah. Um, and paid and unpaid, but that's kind of in that employee bucket. So mm-hmm. the way you guys did it sounds sounds spot on. And then what about on the the sort of top end of things, like hiring sort of more senior people, looking at commission based stuff and things like that? Is is that yeah. problematic? No, like what do you mean by problematic? Well, just I guess doing the so if you look at the things like minimum wage, and then you yeah. look at okay. Um, uh, you see an opportunity. It's like, okay, well, let's look at doing this where it's um, when we're making money, you're getting a really, you know, great result as well. What are some of the considerations in regards to like, I, I feel like commission culture, you hear it in sales, but with, I guess, yeah. what we're doing, you don't hear it as much. Yeah. So, um, probably in, in um, commission bonuses so like maybe even drawing back to your initial question on Mm -hmm. profit sharing and and that type of stuff because that's where we see a little lot in startups and tech you might have Mm -hmm. a base wage for a you know if you if you're hiring a um a cto or a head of sales or a head of marketing or you know a sort of a high level position you might want to incentivize them with um you know wage but you you can't pay the same as a big corporate um mm-hmm. and but you want to want them to have incentive and buy-in and all of that stuff um so you might instead of incentivizing them with bonus for reaching milestones or deals or sales or whatever it is their role is you might um, give them equity so you might give them small percentages in your company so that they can be a shareholder and uh, benefit from the long-term profits and um, you know possible sale of a company in the future so that's the the that's sort of in the sweat equity employee Mm -hmm. share scheme space is so, what does that um, mean, really the sweat huge. equity? Because we've heard that a, a bit. Is there equity that comes and goes depending on whether you're in the business or out of the business? Yeah. Yeah, literally, you sweat for your equity. So, your effort equals equity. So, mm-hmm. for, you know, you may be, in, you know, you might get, um, I don't know, what's what's the job you guys are looking for at the moment, maybe? Or just like a made-up thing. Yeah, I think, well, if you're looking at comfy cuddles, you need a, a sales a sales manager. To be able to yeah. specifically around retail, so getting it into stores. Great. So you're going to have a sales sales manager, head of sales. Mm-hmm. Um, you know their their base wage, their current wage might be 150k because mm-hmm. you're going to look for someone with some experience, so, but you can't afford that. And so right. yeah, this is the thing, right? Yeah. So that's why I wonder: can you pay fucking minimum wage on a on that sort of role, and then top it up with a yeah. back end like a really good deal? Exactly. Yeah, okay. exactly. So you might go, you'll be great, 150K minimum wage for this type of role is 50K per year. Mm-hmm. So the head of sales is on 50K per year, but you know, they're, they're taking a big risk to come here for 50K. Um, and you want them to, you want them to, to work hard and be invested in the company. So, um, you might give them, you might give them sweat equity or for, for the remainder, for the, the, the remainder, a hundred percent of, uh, sort of a hundred a K that they mm-hmm. could have got via wage. Um, and that would be based upon performance. So that might be on milestones, the number of deals they do, or it might just be, um, time spent working full time in the company. Are people doing zero minimum wage and sweat equity is the, is the promise? 
Uh, yeah, well, that that happens a lot. It, it's all about um, you got to. There's a balance, so you have to pay minimum wage if they're an employee. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of at a base level. Um, but then there's this balance because you want to make sure that it's not too far in the equity side because, you know, if that head of sales has a, a family or a mortgage or credit debt, you don't want them to, um, you know, become completely sort of uh, disgruntled and they mm-hmm. won't perform at all because they don't have enough or, or they're too stressed and mentally unwell because of the, the financial stress. So it's this balance on making sure that there is that security and comfortability um, and exposure to, to equity as the upside, but you want to have a balance that you're not, it's actually a disservice to pay too mm-hmm. little. Yeah. And so that's, I completely understand that. And so the sweat. Maybe more ec- like, I'm just thinking yeah. business, uh, startup founders Getting, yeah. are, aren't pulling a wage. And then it's like, we need 10 people to get this mm-hmm. through. And you got the founders, and then you got a few people around that are like, we're going to split this up as soon as we make money. I can just well, so there's a part happening. of it. Uh, yeah, I guess there's a difference between being an owner versus sweat equity. So if we're like, hey, you're going to be a direct, like you're coming in as another director or whatever it is, then it's like, yeah, okay, that feels like it's more autonomous mm. on the on the sweat equity thing. So is that a dynamic number based on uh, years performed, or how does that work? Yeah. So usually the way it works is it sort of usually goes over a four year period so in our Mm -hmm. space our industry in tech um, and startups usually over a four-year period um, sort of it takes a year to kick in so there's a year to sort of prove yourself and then you would get 25 percent of the equity after one year and then sort of 25 percent of a of how much yeah so let's say you're giving 10 percent right so if you're giving 10 percent to the head of sales uh, you would give them after one year two and a half percent And then the remaining seven and a half percent, they would get like small amounts every month worked for the next three years. So the first year they're doing, they're just getting the 50K flat? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so that's it. Because it's kind of a year to find their yeah, find feet the to see yeah. where they sit, find the groove. Can they do this? Can they not do this? And this is, again, so sometimes you might start off, like in this example, you might start mm-hmm. off and say, hey, for year one, we're going to pay you 80K. Yeah. And then there afterwards, if if we proceed to give you equity, the 25% and you go ahead, you're going to drop down to 50. But now your upside is going to be huge because you got a percent of the company and there's going to be mm-hmm. profits and all of that stuff. And so if you leave the company, then you lose that equity? Exactly. Okay. And so is this better? Do you yeah. think that from a 2020 people prefer this sort of model over a, just a straight commission so getting say 20 percent commission on a sale versus a 10 percent equity how would you work through someone to work out what's the better deal yeah well i mean some people it depends where people are at their li- in their life but i think now um you know uh our generation if you like uh they they want to fit they don't want to just take a wage from um, for doing work, they want to mm-hmm. they want to feel some ownership. They want to make sure they're having an impact. And I think um, having equity is, you know, it's it's as much a feeling rather than a financial decision. This, you know, there's there's a sense of ownership in something. It's got more of a personal touch. Their efforts of working mm-hmm. are now, you know, they're they're part of something. So, in my experience, that that holds a lot of weight, particularly for um, particularly for for you know millennials. So it's a culture play almost. Mm. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. And so then it's, um, it's, yeah, insurances it's, and people stuff? People have to earn enough money. But and, and so when, when it comes to insurance, sorry, I like is, uh, insurances, like uh, things like work cover and shit like that, like are you looking at that and do these yeah. models allow for all of those insurances and liability stuff to be covered? Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, insurance, um, yeah, insurance doesn't really, insurance, you got to have insurance for your business. And, mm-hmm. you know, when we talk about comfy cuddles, we'll have some sort of product insurance. But, um, yeah, it doesn't really come into the equity space that much because, you know, people, it's people ha- make their own decision to come in. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's no liability on the company to say, hey, we're going to give you equity and then you're going to get X amount in profit. You sort of present them with, hey, here's the equity offer. It's almost like you're an investor. Have a think about it. Are you in? Do you accept? Yeah, it makes it like I think it's um, it's been so good talking through these things because there's a lot of ambiguity and it's not a... Um, what I like about this stuff is there's a creative element to it. Like I can see how you can really do whatever you want or set it up in different ways, but it's mm. understanding that yeah. baseline of what you can and can't do that I think is, you know, helpful. Yeah, totally. And I think um, this is where people get so confused with the law because they just think it's definitely going to be super complicated and let's not even mm-hmm. go there. But um, to tell you the truth, you know, it might be unknown and foreign, but it's it's not super, super, super complicated and expensive. And yeah, it's, it's accessible to some extent. <laughs> I've got to break something to the both of you. Uh, comfy cuddles, a modern bean bag with the support and comfort you need in your home. Oh, that's annoying. That's annoying. Oh, no. Uh, I mean, they... <laughs> very I guess it doesn't following. even matter that they're registered, like if they're... Um, whether they're registered or not, like they because they've started trading, we're, we're fucked, are we? Oh, this is a good one. Um, Ronan, we have the Gronk Squad. Uh, your brother Giddy's a part of it, mm-hmm. whether he knows You're it or part not, of it, and yeah. so are you. So gronksquad.com we have. We've started, you know, using it oh, in all great. our language. We sell yeah, some yeah. merch. Uh, we've got like Gronk Squad T-shirts. Mm-hmm. We've done some hoodies and stuff. Uh, there's a bloke in the States, um, rather famous, rather rich. He's a quarterback. Gronkowski, who also has a brand oh, yeah. called, he's called the Gronk, and uh, I reckon we got a giffy through, a little jiffy on um, uh, on Instagram. You know, you can swipe up and f- search. We we got one through, and I reckon the only reason is they thought it was from Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. Uh, could he come at us from over the other side of the world and sue us for using the term Gronk to describe our Gronk squad? Uh, I don't think he can in Australia unless he kind of does business with it directly in Australia. Mm-hmm. So I think I reckon we might be okay, but we might be in trouble in the US. Okay. We don't ship the US <laughs> <laughs> at the at the moment. That's just uh, <laughs> yeah, and you might be in trouble if you meet him in person. And you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, mate, yeah. he's huge. He's six foot Jesus, he's forearm. He's huge from throwing that ball. Um, Ronan, I feel like we're your family friend who's asked for free legal advice. <laughs> That's why you have a podcast, right? I if feel any, like I feel like <laughs> yeah, go on. I was saying, I feel like this has been a legal clinic of sorts. <laughs> Do you get? I mean, it's like my uh, brother. My brother told me this was going to be be like all laughs and funny stories, and we've been talking legals the whole time. You two are the most serious per- people I've ever come across. Oh, Jesus, it's a it's a brand value. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's been fun. No, no, no. Like- 
for me, yeah, it's yeah. like I, these conversations, I, I take it that these are day-to-day for you and they feel mm. like they take a lot of brain mm. capacity from someone like me. And I could just imagine how, you know, switched on your mind is having these conversations every day. Do you get exhausted speaking legal speak? Oh, so so exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> you totally. have to have a nap now. <laughs> well, this is yeah. the thing, but we just, the thing with legal stuff is like we spend so much <laughs> yeah. time fucking bullshitting with what we think. Like yeah. we could have an hour meeting without a single legal head in the room talking about trademarks and all this sort of stuff as if we know what the answer is. But um, yeah. I see the benefit in in startups having having a, a partner like Luna. Are you guys doing some sort of like equity thing where it's like if you believe in a startup, you'll buy in and then provide legal advice? Yeah, when we invest, we might consider adding on a little bit for sort of free services and advice that's coupled to the financial investment. But um, yeah, that's sort of how we're looking at it. So yeah, we're, we're sort of exploring that right now. Awesome. Do you think it's a good idea? Yeah, I mean, I definitely. think that there's definitely something, if we look at the new business models, mm. there's something about skin in the game and long-term and I feel like mm. the, the just getting cash makes sense if you, um, if you don't necessarily believe, like if you don't believe in a client, just getting cash and being able to walk away is really handy. But I feel like there's a, another opportunity now where it's like, oh, we are believing in these different things and being able to also get access to stuff where a startup might not have cash or might not have VCs, they can go to people like you guys and still get, you know, world-class service providers but not have the, the crazy costs associated. Mm. So, yeah, I think it makes sense. Awesome, we'll mate. Do it. Awesome. All right. It. Uh, it's a daily talk show. So, um, <laughs> Ronan, the so legal stuff, startups, uh, what's, what's the deal with, like, I get worried with... Uh, legal firms and having a meeting and then getting some sort of massive massive bill from the from the consult what's the deal so um from us you don't need to worry about stuff like that we just mm-hmm. love chatting to founders so if you're starting a tech company startup i don't know frontier business doing something innovative um we chat for free um just because we love the businesses so a consult consults are sort of uh, we have them and then if there's work to be done that's when we charge but that's a bit different to others but that's sort of our model that's good perfect weareluna.co is the website thanks Ronan have that a good one it. thanks Catch guys later. it's been great it's See a daily buddy. talk show see you tomorrow guys